Good morning. <laughs> it's great to be here. I'm glad I'm not co-teaching that one. <laughs> um, thank you so much again for all your prayers. I know that you've been praying for me, and I am doing better um, going in tomorrow for some more tests, but just thank you so much. God has just carried me through this weekend, which has been absolutely incredible weekend, our best Sparkle Conference ever. And are you owning your zone, ladies? Yes. We learned so many incredible things from our speaker, and we are so privileged to have her stay for the weekend. And when I first heard our speaker this morning, it was six years ago, and I was completely blown away. And I came home from that conference, and I told Rob, I said, we have got to get Charlotte at our church. And he was like, okay, you know, cool. And I'm like, no, no. We have got to get Charlotte at our church. And so it's taken six years, but I hope it absolutely can't be another six years until you come back because she's absolutely incredible. Her and her husband, Steve, pastor a church in Bradford, England. And it's an amazing, incredible church, which she'll share a little bit about. But we are so privileged and so honored to have Charlotte Gamble with us today. So please welcome her as she comes and speaks to us. Thank you. Hello, hello. Hello? How are you? Great. Are you good? Okay. First thing you need to know about me is I don't do silent crowds. Okay? Preaching is a conversation. I am not the person with all the wisdom. I'm on a journey like you. I'm going to share my journey. You're going to interact. That's the way we do it. I'm the English auntie. You don't have to have me forever. I go home today. I figure everybody's going to love me. Some people love me when I arrive. Some people love me when I leave. But right now, I'm here, okay? So preaching is interactive. So the girls have already got this down, okay? Haven't we, girls? Okay? We've got this down. And I know I'm in Minnesota, and everything's very proper around here. I know you have lovely suburbs and you're lovely, lovely people, but we're the people of God, right? And the people of God should be expectant and excited and hungry for the things of God. And when we come to the Word, we should be just, if not more, excited than we are in the worship. Hello. I see some people, they're like, yeah. What's about? What's that about? How come a minute ago you were like, Jesus, and now you're like, the word. <laughs> so I'm on a campaign to get you just as passionate about the word as you are in the worship because both contain truth that will change your life. So we have had an amazing weekend with the girls, and it's just been awesome to be with you and be in Minnesota for the first time and, uh, and see this amazing place through the car window because uh, um, that's all I've seen through a car window, and I have to add, Nordstrom's. And so I know, I know God loves you because you have a Nordstrom. So, you know, that's a good incentive to come back. So I'm just saying. So uh, I have enjoyed being with the women and I'm thrilled that I got to be with the church last night and stay on for church today because I am a local church girl. It is to my core what I believe in, what I value, because it's what God said he wanted us to build. He said, build the church. It's the hope. It's the life. It's a, it's a, a force of, of good for the world that we are planted in. And I'm very passionate about the church. And as Becca mentioned earlier, my husband and I pastor an amazing church in England. It is crazy. It is wild. Uh, 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 one of our worship leaders is an ex-thrash metal singer. He's got more tattoos than anyone I've ever seen. And, uh, and we, we have all kinds. God made all kinds of people, and we have them all in our church. And, uh, and we're in a, in a city area. 
uh, that is very, very uh, high on the child poverty ratio, uh, high for crime, high for prostitution. And God put us there. Our population is nearly 50, 60% uh, Muslim in the area where we do church. So we have a huge work that we are involved in. But you know what? God is doing miracle upon miracle. And people are finding Christ every week. And people are coming off drugs and addictions every week. And I am passionate that that is what the church is for. That is what the church is for. And because of that passion, that's why I'm going to speak to you on the subject that I feel God's put on my heart for you as a church this morning. And I'm going to take you in the Word this morning to a passage that's probably well known to many of us that's called the Great Commission. And I'm going to start there and take us on a little journey with what God is trying to say to us through the Word this morning. And I pray that this will reach your hearts in a place that are receptive and open because I honestly believe if you will listen and if you will lean in and if you will come off autopilot this morning and engage with God's word, it will change your life. It will give you something that will lift you to another level. It will give you wisdom that will help you see things differently because God's word is like a double-edged sword. It comes and it cuts into things that need to be removed and it helps prune off things off our life that shouldn't be there. And you know, the great thing about God's word is it will leave you transformed. But that's if we engage with it. That's why I'm saying it's not about just responding for my benefit, it's responding for your benefit. You know, when you say amen, you're telling yourself, I agree. When you nod your head, you're saying, yeah, I accept that. When you, when you lean in and you listen to the word and you respond, you tell your body, I'm lining up to be in alignment with what God is saying about my life. So Father, we pray this morning as we go into your word that we would shake off complacency and apathy. Lord, this is just 25 minutes of being in the word together. It's not long, but God, in that moment, you can do incredible things in the hearts of your people. And Lord, we are not here to play church this morning. Make these next few moments be something that we go away bigger and better and greater because of. In Jesus' name, let it be. Now, this is called the Great Commission, okay? These are important words that I'm about to read. This is Jesus telling his team, his disciples, he's kind of, he's kind of this is what you're going to do, boys. This is that, your life's work that I'm about to lay out for you. And he begins to speak to them. It says the 11 disciples went to Galilee in verse 16 of Mark 28. <clears throat> to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him and some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These words are very important because they were Jesus' words to his group of guys letting him know this is what it's all about, boys. This is what it's all about. And so when I was rereading this recently and thinking about this as a local church builder, I began to pull it apart and realize that this great commissioning could actually have a different title. And I, in my Bible, have put a line next to it, and I have written, I hope you write in your Bible too, because that's good to make notes. You know, it's not holy of holies. You can write on it. So you remember stuff. And I wrote a line next to where it says great commission, and I've written the great involvement. And that's what I want to talk to you about in this time this morning, that we are called as the people of God to a great 
involvement because the words that follow are not passive words. Jesus didn't pull his disciples together and say, now boys, I need to let you know that what I want you to do from here on out is I want you to have a holy huddle and just, you know, stay there and pray. You know, boys, what I want you to do is I want you to have a committee meeting and I want you to discuss all the things that you're thinking of doing. You know, what I want you to do, boys, is I want you to take a sabbatical and go away for a few months, you know, and just take it easy and, you know, and leave all the work to me. No, he said, boys, this is your life's work. Go, make, do, prepare, preach, teach, help, heal, all involving words. You cannot go unless you're going to get involved. You can't go from your armchair. You've got to actually physically do something to respond to what Jesus is telling these guys. And all through his ministry, training these boys, he had a ministry that made them have to get involved. I love Jesus for that because it gives me a great model for my team and my staff. I'm like, don't blame me, blame Jesus. Blame Jesus that I'm getting us involved. It's not, my, it's not my model, it's his. Because he took these guys, you know, you've got to imagine, you know, you've got to take some time and think sometimes and enter, as it were, into the zone of where this, what was happening, the context. Because if you flick back to where these boys were first called to follow Jesus, you know, we read how Jesus walks past the, the, the river, the lake. Hello, you know about lakes, right? You have like thousands of them around here. 10,000 lakes or something ridiculous? You have way too many lakes. Should share them out a little. Anyway, they were on their, on their lake or wherever, and they were in their boats fishing. You can relate to boats and fishing around here, okay? Now, now these boys were fishermen, okay? And I have a theory that, you know, why men fish. And, you know, men fish because it's a good profession to have because it takes you away from people, right? Is that right? I mean, the fish don't nag, the fish don't talk, the fish don't care whether you put the laundry in or whether you did what the wife told you. They're not bothered. They're not going to have a go at you because you didn't do the last five jobs on your errands list. I mean, they're just fish. And you know, and there's something about the men and the boat and the lake and the fish that these boys love doing. And they would spend days and sometimes weeks on the water because that's what they were. They were fishermen. And they would just go and it would be tranquil much of the time. And you know, we read stories where they would just drop their net and just wait to see if the catch came in. And some nights nothing had come in. I mean, it wasn't like they were fighting squalls, you know. We don't read of like them fighting a squall. And you know, they were Alaskan deep sea fishers. Okay, they were on lakes, they were fishing. So they were used to tranquility, they were used to their own space. And Jesus walks past this serene scene on the lake with these boats and these guys hanging out. And he starts at an invitation, follow me. Jesus starts at invitation. When you came to him, it began with somebody saying somewhere, would you like to follow Jesus? And you responded and you became born again. It starts with an invitation. But the problem is that much of the church have stopped at the invitation. So they accept the invitation, but then they don't read on. And you have to read on, otherwise you are violating why the invitation came to you in the first place. So Jesus says, follow me. Move down a couple of verses, if you dare, in Matthew 4. And this is what they now are following him into. It says, Jesus then took them 
and he began to preach the good news of the kingdom. Listen to this. News spread all over Syria. And so people started to bring those that were ill with various diseases, those suffering in severe pain, those that were demon-possessed, those that were having seizures and fits, those that were paralyzed, those that needed healing, large crowds pressed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I can just imagine the boys freaking out. They just came off their nice boat time and they follow him. This looks a lovely thing to do. Let's follow him. And the next scene is people freaking out, possessed people, weird people, seizing people, people lame, people crippled, huge crowds pressing against them. And God is showing you a picture of what it looks like to be the church because Jesus like the invitation was the beginning, but involvement is the mission. And all of a sudden, these guys that are not used to all these people, they're used to fish, have to have their hands involved in hurting humanity. They have to get their lives involved in stuff that is not pretty. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone possessed or having a seizure fit, but it's not a pretty sight. And suddenly these guys are like, whoa, what is happening here? They, I can imagine the panic. I can imagine the adrenaline rush that was going through those guys' hands but he was showing them. He was giving them a quick baptism of fire into what it looked like to be really, really a follower of Christ. And I think somewhere along the line, the church have forgotten what that looks like. Somehow we have got so good at polishing the light bulb inside the church instead of being the light in the community that we have forgotten why we are here. We get our invitation card ticked because now we're saved and we're in the club and we're going to heaven so I can go about my life. But it was never about you joining a club. It was about you joining a great work, a great involvement. And I came here not to tickle your ears or to entertain you or to say nice things that make you feel better. That would be a waste of an airfare. I came here to say to you, there is so much more that God has for your life. There is so much more adventure. There is so much more things that will freak you out, but they will be the best thing that ever happened to you that God wants to visit your life with through involvement. When was the last time you led someone to Christ? Oh, well, I preach messages. That, you know, great, that's awesome. But you can't say that that is involvement. I challenge myself all the time about this. I don't want to preach something I'm not practicing. I don't want to tell people to go into the community and then I stay at home and watch TV. I don't want to say to people, get involved because that's kind of the way God wired you. But you know, God didn't wire me for involvement. No, if God is in you, if Christ is in you, then you are certainly wired for involvement because that is his nature. And somehow we've made the church, well, we're the church and those are the the, the people that have a special ministry to involve. You know, they love people that like are needy. You know, so I'll pray for them. That will be my involvement. No, 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 no. I'm going to take you to a story that is well known, but I want us to look at it for a different reason this morning. It's in Acts 16, verse 16, and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible, so you might just want to listen rather than try and follow, because I like the way it puts it in the Message Bible. But it's the well-known passage in Scripture, which we preach from so many times, me included, and it's a great message to preach about Paul and Silas in jail and the whole jailhouse rock deal going down. It's awesome. 
We love that story. We love how, how they're in the jail, they're singing, the chains fall off. We're like, yes, I would love to have been there. I would love to have seen that. And you see, the problem with the church is that sometimes we celebrate these stories like they were events, but this was part of a process. This didn't just happen because, you know, you know God just felt like shaking the jail. This happened for a reason. There was a reason why the miraculous took place. And there are reasons why miraculous things happen. And you have to help find out what the cause is of the miraculous. Because many of us pray for miracles, but we're not going to do anything that will cause the miracle. And these guys ended up needing a miracle because they simply got involved. So you have to track back in Acts 16, where we find out what it is that caused them to end up where they ended up. It says, one day, verse 16, on our way to the place of prayer. See, I can stop right there. I can stop right there. That statement is a statement of much of our lives. We're always on our way somewhere. We're always on our way to something that we've decided. Well, I'm on my way to this. I'm on my way to that event. I'm on my way to that project. I'm on my way to, you know, that thing that I feel like I want to do. They were on their way. But see, this is the thing with God. When you're on your way somewhere, he will always put people in your way. And so many times, because we're so fixated with what we are on our way to do, we miss the people in our way that God had sent for us to minister to. You know, if you read the story of the Good Samaritan, it says in the message version of that story that the two before that didn't stop, it says they angled themselves across the street. And I think by the Spirit, sometimes the church can angle itself across the street because we see what is in the street and we look at it and we're like, you're messy, you're needy, you're broke, you don't look like me, you're not my kind of person. If I stop, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to have to get involved. So what I'll do is I'll just angle my life so that this is not inconvenient for me. Involvement is messy. Involvement is expensive. Involvement is something that will stretch you. Involvement does look like an inconvenience. But you know what? If Christ hadn't done it for you, you wouldn't be here today. So how can we receive it and not give it back? And these guys are on their way to a place of prayer. It even sounds spiritual. Oh, I can't possibly stop because I'm on my way to church. I'm on my way to do ministry. I'm on my way to teach. I'm on my way to sing. I'm on my way to, you know, go and counsel that person. We all can have a spiritual reason why we're on our way. But you better believe it. God will put people in your way. And so they're on their way to a place of prayer. And a slave girl ran into us. Boom. I love it. I love how God is not subtle. God will literally bump your head into stuff. And you know what? It's a test often. It's a test of the great involvement. Ran into us. She was a psychic. And she was, had fortune-telling gift. And she made a lot of money for people who owned her. And she started following Paul around calling everyone's attention to him by yelling out, these men are working for the Most High God. They're laying out the road of salvation for you. She did this for a number of days. What in the world is going on? Let me have my helper here. 
Here's this picture of this slave girl. But you're not a girl, but, but I'll work with it. They said to me earlier, do you want a girl to help you instead? I'm like, no, I quite like tying up this guy. <laughs> Some reason. Okay. He says he's married. Don't worry, so am I. <laughs> I don't want to get involved. Okay. <laughs> Here's a picture of this girl. She is bound. She is possessed. She is tied up. She is trapped in this world that she does not want to be in. She is a slave. She is literally shackled to people that own her, control her, and have a vested interest in making money off her. And you might not see this with your eye in the natural, but all around you in this community are the same type of people. Whether you care to know that they're there or not is another question. But the fact is there are people all around you. Yes, in tidy suburbs of Minnesota, there are people that are in bondage, people that are possessed, people that are hurting, people that are held by an enemy, people that are trapped in depression, having suicidal thoughts, have addictions, are gambling, are drinking, are in prostitution, are involved in adultery. They live on your street. And, and she's there. But remember, Paul's on his way to pray. And he bumps in to this girl. Now, I don't know what was going on in Paul's head. But Paul decides to ignore her. And so she follows him for days. <laughs> and he's trying to go on his way to prayer. And she just follows him. And not only is she following him, she's shouting, these guys are laying the road to salvation. These guys, these guys right here. She's just shouting out, like, like loud, like annoyingly loud, like embarrassingly loud, just like, you know, and, and, and this is going on. And I just wonder, I just wonder how much of this is going on behind your life. I wonder how many bound people are walking behind your life day in, day out to the canteen in the office or to the water faucet in the office or in the schoolyard walking behind you, bound, trapped, knowing you go to River Valley Church, knowing you are a counselor, knowing that you are a believer and they're walking behind you in bondage saying, do you notice me? Hello, I know I'm not in your club. But do you know that I follow you every week? Do you know I make you your Starbucks at the drive-thru every single morning and you've not once got involved with me? Do you know that I am sat here at the petrol station every day when you get your gas and you come in every week and you've not once asked about me and you can tell I'm ill and they're walking behind you wondering, why do you go to that cozy country club called River Valley Church and sit there with your attendants when I am following you saying, hello, hello. Days and days she follows. And then it says this, finally, finally. And this is where God wants to get some of you to today. Finally, hello. He gets so fed up with this girl that he turns around and says to the girl that's possessed, I command you, come out in the name of Jesus and get out of her. And it was gone just like that. He speaks a word. And as he speaks a word and unwraps this woman from her bondage, what happens is she becomes free. But here's the deal about involvement. Paul now becomes shackled. Because what this leads to 
is Paul being put in prison. And behold, I show you why the church don't want to get involved. Because I know if I get involved, all that dysfunction, all that stuff is going to arrive in my tidy, organized, planned, fishing, scheduled world. You can sit down. And so, and so Paul now finds himself in trouble. Paul now finds that now that he has let this girl be free, now, she's in, now they're in trouble with the people that own the girl. Because now the people that were controlling this girl are angry that their little business plan has gone and been destroyed. So it says, when the owners saw their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas and they roughed them up and they dragged them to the market square and then the police arrested them. See, isn't it great when you get involved? Oh, happy day. Now he's been arrested. It gets better. Stay with me. Now they're pulled into court and they're falsely accused of stuff for disturbing the peace. By this time, the whole mob had gathered out for their blood. Awesome. Now the judges went with the mob and had Paul and Silas's clothes ripped off. Yay, Jesus. And ordered them a public beating. After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailkeeper, put them under guard so there's no chance of escape. He did did just that and threw them into the maximum security cell in jail and clamped leg irons on them. And that is why we don't want this. Because when we get involved, it's messy. When we get involved, it's time consuming. When we get involved, they get your cell phone number. When we get involved, they want you to pick them up for church. When we get involved, they start crying on you when you don't want them to cry on you because you've got a game to watch. When they get involved, they mess up your boat fishing trip because now they want you to hang with them and they won't even want to come on your boat. And they want to talk about deep stuff. And you just want to fish. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in bondage. But let me tell you something. That's why when you get involved on God's behalf, he gets involved on yours. And God said, I know that this came from helping her. And because this came from helping her, I'm about to do a jailhouse rock. And all of a sudden, because of their involvement, one of the greatest miracles we read about and preach about happened in the book of Acts as everybody's chains in the whole prison fell off, including Paul and Silas's, and a great miracle happened in that place. And the jailer and his whole family came to Christ. If we want the miraculous that we talk about, we have got to trace it back to involvement. We have got to understand there is a connection in God, that miracles are not for you to all play with inside God's house. Miracles are to be out there to show people who God is. You know, when, when, when you first got saved, do you remember? You were so eager, you were so keen to tell people about Jesus. And it was like you'd pray for people just spontaneously. You were full of faith and you were excited and miracles, they would actually get healed. 
You know, I preached this message. I only preached it once back home last week. And I really preached it. And I was saying to our church, who were very involved. I mean, we're involved in like 10 prisons. And we've been asked if we can go into another 16. And uh, we had 98 prisoners led to Christ just last week. And my husband went and baptized six guys in maximum security jail on Wednesday. And I mean, we're involved. We bring girls off the red light. We get them into rehab. You know, we have a whole feeding system. We have all the homeless system. We're, I mean, we're really involved. So when I started up and say this to my church, they're like, are you serious? Like, we are exhausted. I'm like, I know, but there's more need. There's more people in our way. We can't get weary in doing good. There's more people that we're supposed to, that are on our watch, that in our community, that are on our path. And so I preached this last week and I got an email from my husband this morning because I said, there will be a connection between involvement and miracle. I'm telling you, there will. And he said to me this morning, for the first time, we have a professional footballer in our church. He's in one of the premier teams and he's a striker and he's off because he had a knee injury and he was at church this morning and he was listening to uh, the message and it was being reiterated about involvement and so he decided to just stand up and just be prayed for in the in the room at the end of the service and he has never ever in his Christian journey never ever got involved his own hands in praying for someone that was sick never just being frightened, just not felt easy with it, felt a bit awkward. It's like some of you, you just think, well, that happens on Sunday, doesn't it? But it doesn't have to happen on Sunday. It can happen anywhere. And so as he is just going back to his seat, he walks past a woman in our church who's in a wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair for 10 years. He walks past a woman in our church. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get involved. I don't know this woman. She doesn't know me. So he just goes up to her this morning, lays hands on her, prays the power of God on her, just kind of gives it a go. The woman stands up and runs around the building. She's been in the chair for 10 years. 10 years. My husband said, I don't know who was more shocked, the guy or the woman. It was like, did that just happen? And the whole church were like, what in the world? I'm telling you, God wants to own this. He wants to own it in your life. He wants to show you the joy of involvement. He wants to show you the joy of leading someone yourself to Christ. And he needs you to get past all those reasons why you don't want to get involved. What happens in the church is when we're not involved, we become kind of, in, we look inside, we become kind of like introspective. And so because we're not involved out there, we all get busy trying to perfect everything in here. And there's no such thing as a perfect church and there's no such thing as a perfect leader and there's no such thing as perfect people. So whilst we're all trying to make it perfect, we're on a hiding to nothing. It's not gonna happen because it's not possible. There's none of us perfect. But what happens when we're not involved is we become critical about the people of God and about the house of God and about the leadership and about the worship and about all the air conditioning and about the children's ministry and about where we spend our money because we ain't got nothing else to do. It's like your kids when it's raining outside and they're stuck inside for 24 hours. And after, you know, six hours, you want to throw them out in the rain because there's nothing to do in our house. You've got PlayStation, you've got this, you've got the other, you've got this, you know, you've got all these toys, you've got Lego, you know, not on board. You want to say, are you kidding me? But because they're contained inside four walls, it's amazing how they become familiar with what they've got. But you just shove them outside and they get a new perspective about what they could possibly do. And sometimes we just got to shove us outside into the rain where we don't like it because it's cozy inside, outside into the unfamiliar, outside into a conversation with someone that's not your type, outside into a ministry that feels awkward. You just need to feel the rain on your face again and get involved. And I'm telling you, you 
will be transformed. You will realize that this is the great involvement that we are called to be. This is the salt and the light that we are supposed to be. And kind of my prayer this morning, I'm going to ask if the keyboard player wants to come back out. My prayer this morning is that you would not just listen to this message, but you will be doers of the word. That you would leave here today and think to yourself, where can I get involved? What can I roll? You know, I have challenged, me and my husband a challenge. Uh, he led a guy to Christ on the hill just uh, two weeks ago. And the guy has an, a, a son that's in alcoholic addiction. And when he came home and told me where he'd been, because he was late back from the hill, he's like, I've led a guy to Christ. And as he began to tell me about this guy, I knew we were now involved. I knew that meant we have to pick this guy up. We have to go visit this guy. We have to have this guy to our home for dinner. And he's not tidy and it's not messy and he doesn't use nice words. All reasons we give to not stop. But the church should be willing to stop. Jesus walked past a tree on his way and he stopped. And he invited a guy to come down. But he didn't stop at invitation. Then he went for dinner at his house. He went a whole nother level of involvement. So much so people said, so you're a friend of sinners now? Eating with them? Jesus is like, that we don't want to call me? Yeah, I am. That's what it looks like when you get involved. You become a friend of sinners. And I pray that this challenge would find you ready to respond. Because I'm guaranteeing you, as you leave this building today, on your way, on your way to whatever you're going to do, on your way to whatever the thing is that you're planning next, on your way, there will be people in your way on purpose. And some of those people are going to be the greatest gift ever to your world, to your marriage, to your family, to your faith. I know that as we've got involved with Lawrence and all the addiction and all the mess, it will do me more good than it will do him. I know it. Same way I knew when I got involved in missions in Africa, it would do me more good than it would the children that I was going to get involved with. There's something about involvement that takes your eyes off you and gets your eyes on him. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you. If you're saying... I want to get involved. I kind of want to commit again to be involved, God, in this great commission, in this great involvement. I've kind of let it slip. I've kind of stepped a little bit back, a little bit out. If you're saying that this morning, just raise your hands. It's just a simple sign to God saying, here I am. These hands are willing this week to get involved with the woman at the grocery store, with the lady in the school, to the guy in my office, to the person that I sit next to, to the, to the team that I am given a responsibility to lead, to the people next door, to the neighbors that I've never invited over, to the family that I always think they look like they need help, but I've never extended it. Just lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just pray right now by your spirit, you would do what I cannot. God, this is right at your heartbeat. That when you call us, you send us. When you save us, you send us out to save others. And Lord, I pray this morning that this would not just be a message, but it would be a momentum and a movement of hearts and lives to the great involvement that we are all called to. 
I pray no one would disqualify themselves and no one would step back or angle across the street anymore. Lord, I pray that you would accompany the involvement this week with signs and wonders and testimonies of people finding you on a street corner, people finding you at an office, people finding you as they talk in the college. I pray, God, that you would accompany this and show your people that you are desperate to get involved in the lives of those that you love and yet they don't know that they are loved yet. Lord, I pray this morning this would not just rest on us as a good message, but it would rest on us as a great commission for our lives. I'm going to ask for everyone to take their hands down and just one more thing. If you're here this morning and you have never asked Jesus into your heart, you know, when I showed that illustration of the rope, that's exactly what Christ did for you. He unraveled you and your sin, and he wrapped it around himself as he hung on a cross. That's the exchange that is salvation, that he takes your bondage and he gives you his freedom. And in this room this morning, maybe you've been around the things of God, but you've never prayed a prayer that asks God to get involved in your life as your Lord and as your Savior, that you submit your agenda to his. And right now in this atmosphere, I want to ask you, if you're here and you're saying, I want God in my life for myself, not because my wife comes, not because my husband comes, not because it sounded like, you know, I already know about God. No, because you really make a decision. God, I need you in my life. I don't want to attend a church. I want to know you as Savior. Then just stick your hand up high for me, would you? You're just saying, that's me this morning. That's the decision. At the back here, I can see those hands. And over here, I can see those hands. Come on. And over here at the back and over here at the side and down here at the front and over here at the side. Come on, others that are saying, God, I need you in my life. I, I want you involved in my life. Church, this is why we do what we do right now. So you better pray for these people that need him down here at the front and over here at the side. Come on, you're saying, I need God in my life. I, I know of God, but I've not asked him into my heart. Anyone else? All around the room to just lift your hand. I'm going to hand to the pastor here who's going to pray and tell you what to do in this next step, but you are about to get involved in the greatest work that your life was designed and made for by your creator God. Thanks, pastor.